بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد So first of all for the benefit of those who weren't here with us last week let's have a quick recap of what we learned in last week's lesson inshallah So what lesson number was it last week? 12 No difference of opinion this week Okay lesson 12 So lesson 12 what was lesson 12? You don't you'd have to mention all the points even if it's one or two things that you remember. Brilliant, mashallah. So just for the benefit of those who weren't with us, so the topic of our discussion, this is every week we have this session, is how did the Prophet plant the love of Masjidul Aqsa in the hearts of the Ummah? That's the topic. And based on this topic, we're having lessons every week. How did Rasulullah plant the love of Masjid Al-Aqsa in the hearts of the Ummah? The topic last week uh, in relation to this, or the heading we can say, was uh, the coolness of the eye of Rasulullah well remembered by the brother, mashallah. Who can add to this? So what did we discuss? That was the heading. What did we discuss? What was the actual lesson? Okay, so we started off by saying that the Prophet ﷺ faced some very difficult days in his life. Okay, many tragedies, quite traumatizing. His best and closest friend, companion, life companion, his beloved wife Khadija she passed away. His greatest pillar of support, Abu Talib, also passed away. Did anything else happen? Tragic? around this time? Ta'if. When the Prophet ﷺ was asked that which was the most difficult time in your life? And he said that faced many difficulties. Nothing like Ta'if. And we all know the story of Ta'if. Brothers out in Jamaat, we discuss it all the time. So these were, and, and when his uncle passed away, the Quraysh thought this is an opportunity. He doesn't have his support anymore. They persecuted the Prophet ﷺ even more. So you've got tragedy upon tragedy upon tragedy. The Prophet ﷺ was feeling very down. He was very hurt. And it was a very emotional time for the Prophet ﷺ. How did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala console him at that time? So as brother is mentioning, this is one way in which it was the coolness of the eye of Rasulullah where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took him from Masjidul Haram till Masjidul Aqsa. So by seeing Masjid al-Aqsa, that cooled his eye. And then by seeing the prophets gathered there, he met all of the Anbiya alayhim that cooled his eye. And then seeing Jibreel in his original form, that cooled his eye. Seeing Jannah and Jahannam, that cooled his eye. Seeing many signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cooled his eye. And then eventually seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can there be anything greater than this? This was all a means of the coolness of the eye of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Anything else? So that was, we, we started off from here. Well remembered, brother. Jazakumullah khairah. Carry on.
mashallah that was brilliant again this is what we're going in sequence so the journey doesn't end here so he saw allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we know about the salah the five times salah and then he comes back when he returned to makkatul mukarrama what happens the people start discussing that what he went in the night from and the discussion wasn't even about going to the heavens the discussion here was only about going from Mecca to Jerusalem. He hadn't even told them about going to the heavens. And they started laughing at him, joking at him, okay, taking the mic and saying, how's that even possible? And they started saying that he's gone crazy and they thought this is an excuse to make more fun of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So he says, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, I was standing in the Hatim, the semicircle area by the Kaaba. And while standing in there, uh, the Quraysh asked me questions, they quizzed me. And I said, fine. Did you really go? Yes, I did. Right, fine. And they started asking me certain details. And the Prophet ﷺ himself says that I didn't recall all the details. When I'd gone on that journey, you don't look at and check everything out when you go somewhere for the first time, especially when it's in such a miraculous way as well. And what's interesting is the hadith that mentions the next part. What did he say? Does anyone remember? The next part. Who remembers? No, no, before that. Before the rope. This is quite unique because the Prophet as we know, he's faced many tragedies, many difficulties prior to this. How much were they persecuted in Mecca? Okay, he, he lost his family members. He saw the Sahaba being tortured. He himself underwent many, many difficulties. But on this occasion, he says, I felt such distress when they asked me these questions regarding Masjid Al-Aqsa and I wasn't able to recall the details. I have never felt so distressed before this. This is what he says, this is in the hadith. I have never felt this distress ever before. And then what did Allah do to cool his eye once again? He cooled his eye the first time. When he was distressed, what did he do? The hadith says, Fajallallahu li bayt al-Maqdis. Allah opened a vision for me of Masjid al-Aqsa whilst I was standing in Mecca in the Hatim. And he says, I, I was looking towards Masjid al-Aqsa and I started answering the questions one after the other. So once again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cools the eye of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is another way how he has planted the love of Masjid al-Aqsa in the hearts of the Ummah by telling us that it was a way through which he cooled his eye. And then, coming onto the rope, go on. Subhanallah. So the hadith of Mustadrak Hakim, the Prophet says, a time is going to come which is very, very close, that a person will have land equivalent to the size of the rope of his horse. Okay? Like that much. Right? The reins aren't that big when you're holding on to it. Imagine having land, about one square meter land. So the hadith is saying, a time is going to come, a person is going to have just this much land from which a person will be able to see Masjid Al-Aqsa. See, not pray inside, just see. Hadith is mentioning that this site
from this small piece of land grew better than the whole world and what it contains. Again, the coolness of the eye of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Just uh, brother Saleh from uh, Palestine is over and we were just discussing Mullah Ilyas is in Jordan at the moment from Preston. And uh, it's interesting because the person going to Jordan, there is a point in Jordan or certain points in Jordan, although now they consider it two countries, it never was. But again, it's at a distance. There is a certain, there's a couple of mountains, in particular, for example, where the Karak Castle is, where if you go on that castle at the top of the castle, of the mount where the castle is, at the time of Ishraq, if you've got a good pair of binoculars, from that top, you can see the shine of the Dome of the Rock. And someone would think like, why would you even want to do that? Well, why would you want to do that? The Hadith is mentioning that one site towards Masjid Al-Aqsa, Khairun min dunya jami'a. And one says, Khairun min dunya wa ma fiha. That is better than the whole world and what it contains. So this was last week's lesson. Now after every lesson, we have a campaign that we carry out throughout the week. Anybody remembers what was last week's campaign? Who can remind us? So we said we want to increase in our lives opportunities so that we can visualize Masjid Al-Aqsa within our homes, within our houses, within our workplaces, within our vehicles, within our personal lives, for our children. Opportunities for us to see and visualize Masjid Al-Aqsa as much as possible. That will create much more awareness. So any ideas, any suggestions? What did you do when you went back? Share it with the rest of us, inshallah, so we can also learn and implement. Okay, brilliant suggestion. We've all got our phones all the time, or your laptop, okay? Saving is your screensaver. It could be something Windows. It could be something, uh, you know, just Apple, Samsung. Instead of having something blank like that, changing it to that of Masjid Al-Aqsa, or any part of Masjid Al-Aqsa, at least every time you pick it up, it's a reminder to you. You're looking at it, you're seeing it. It's a visual opportunity. Yes, we can't see it with our eyes now, but how Allah cooled the eye of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam through Masjid Al-Aqsa, at least we can cool our eye to that extent, inshallah. So this is something we can all do, okay? Increasing opportunities for us to visualize Masjid Al-Aqsa in our lives. Anything else? Okay, using a calendar, Alhamdulillah, Masjid pre-published one, how many years ago was it? Two years ago, after some of the brothers visited Masjid Al-Aqsa, the annual calendar for the Masjid, uh, they decided that that particular year, every month, they're going to have a picture of Masjid Al-Aqsa on there, and then a hadith and some virtues. So having something like that up as well, which you refer to regularly, uh, again, you will be seeing it on, on many occasions, and be reminded of Masjid Al-Aqsa. Anything else? Keyring. Okay, again, having a keyring. Keys are something you use, again, regularly. So having something like that there, you're going to be reminded of it again and again. And again, the greatest benefit is for children. They'll be curious. They'll ask, what is this? Okay, you've told us about Makkah, the Kaaba. You've told us about Masjid Nabawi. Why do we not know anything about this Masjid? What is this Masjid? Tell us about it more. It'll create an opportunity for you to go and learn and then sit with your children and explain to them as well. Anything else? Fridge magnets. Okay. 
fridge magnets or anything that can go on the fridge. You can ask your children to do a painting of the Dome of the Rock, for example, and put it up there. Okay, they'll feel recognized. Okay, their efforts are being recognized. At least they'll feel that, you know, you're acknowledging what they're doing. And again, it'll be a reminder for every one of us. We go to the fridge like more times than, we, than anything anyway. So that's also something great as well. Anything else? Okay, frame on the wall. We have pictures of the Kaaba, don't we, in our houses? Okay, we have Masjid Nabwi. Why have we forgotten the third Masjid? So again, something else we can do, whether it's a canvas, whether it's a frame, it could be anything. Anything else? Something in your car as well, okay, for example. Okay, it could be something as simple as a sticker. It could be anything. It could even be some anashid, for example, in relation to Palestine, to Masjid al-Aqsa, uh, playing on a CD. It could be a talk. It could be anything. Every time you go in, it reminds you. So everybody will try and do this, inshallah. We need to increase opportunities for us to visualize and experience Masjid al-Aqsa in our lives every single day, inshallah. And may Allah give us the tawfiq. So today's lesson, lesson number... 13. As Muslims, as Muslims, we believe that Al-Isra and Mi'raj was done in a physical, okay, in a bodily state. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took the Prophet with body and soul from Mecca to Jerusalem and then from there to beyond the heavens. This is the belief of Ahlu Sunnati wal Jama'ah. We all believe this, that Mi'raj was not just a dream. It wasn't just a spiritual journey. It was done in bodily form. However, besides the journey of Mi'raj, according to the ahadith we learn, there were many other occasions where the Prophet ﷺ was shown a vision of uh, Masjid Al-Aqsa. So it wasn't just the Mi'raj journey. So in one such hadith we find, it's in Sahih al-Bukhari, it's a lengthy narration. It's quite interesting, the Prophet wasallam he says, now this was uh, the Samurai ibn al-Juddum, he's a sahabi, he narrates the incident. He says he was a general practice of the Prophet wasallam that after Salatul Fajr, he would turn around to the people like this. So the Sahaba would be sitting, he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would turn around face the people and he would ask a question. Has anyone seen a dream last night? And he says, Sahaba sometimes would say, yes, I saw a dream. He would relate the dream and the Prophet ﷺ would interpret the dream. Sometimes it would happen that nobody has seen a dream and the Prophet ﷺ would relate one of his own dreams. He says on one such occasion, the Prophet ﷺ has said, did anybody see a dream last night? And Sahaba said, no, none of us have seen a dream. So then the Prophet ﷺ said, I saw a dream and he started to relate the dream. So in the dream he says, I saw in my dream, two men came to me. And they took me to Al-Ardul Muqaddasah, to the Holy Land. So again, remember, Mi'raj was separate. This is a separate incident 
Mi'raj happened in body form. Okay, the Prophet was physically taken. This is a separate incident. We're talking about a dream. You'll find it in Sahih al-Bukhari. The Prophet says that I was taken by these two men to Al-Ardul Muqaddasa, to the Holy Land, Baytul Maqdis, the land of Masjid Al-Aqsa. And he says, when we arrived there, all of a sudden I saw that there was a man standing up and there was a man sitting down. And the man that was standing up, he had like this metal hook in his hand. And he approached the man that was sitting down and he pierced the hook into his cheek. And he went so far that it penetrated into his mouth and it came out from the back of his head. And then he pulled it and it ripped his jaw. And when I looked again, the jaw was restored once again and then he did it on the other side. So he pierced it into his cheek all the way to the back and he, and he pulled it. And he pierced it and he, and he ripped his jaw out. And then it got fixed again, it got rectified and I did it, he did it again. And this continued happening. So the two men that were with me, I asked them, hey, what's this? What's going on? And they said to me, carry on. So we carried on. And then he says, we continued until I came across a man who was lying down on the floor. And there was another man who was standing up and he had a big rock in his hand. And he would take this rock and he would smash it onto his head. And when he smash it onto the man's head, the rock would go rolling really far. And also the head of this person would get flattened and the rock would go rolling really far. And then when the rock would come back, the head would be restored once again and he would smash the rock on his head again. And he kept doing this. I said, what's this? And I was told by the two men, intaliq, carry on. So he says, we continued. Then we came across this hole and we looked inside. It was like a tanur, like a clay oven. The top of it was very narrow. The bottom was very wide and inside there were flames. And when I looked further, I saw there were people inside naked, men and women. The flames would ignite and it would cause the people to rise. And then the flames would vanish and the people would fall down. And this continued to happen. So these people were being burnt. They would raise right to the top. And then the flames would go off and they'd fall down once again into the hole. And this continued to happen. I said, what's this? And he said, carry on. So we continued. Then he says, I came across a river of blood. I saw a man on the other side who was trying to swim towards where we were to try and come out of the river. Each time he would come by the bank of the river, the man standing on the side would take a stone and throw it on him, causing him to go right back to the beginning again. And then he would swim to the bank once again to come out of this river of blood, but he wasn't able to. I asked, what's this? They told, they told me, carry on, let's go. So we continued. And then he says, we continued and we entered into the most beautiful garden I had ever seen. It was all green. Never seen a, such a beautiful garden in my life. And I saw this huge tree, massive tree. At the bottom of the tree, there was a sheikh. And around the sheikh, there were some young, beautiful children standing around. And then I asked, like, what's, what's going on here? They said, carry on. We continued and we started to ascend. And we climbed. And as we ascended, we entered into a house. Such a beautiful house. Never seen a house like this before. And I said, what's this? He says, let's carry on. 
Then we ascended again into a house which was better than the first one. And whilst we were in that house, I said to them, look, this night we've seen so many things. Aren't you going to tell me what's going on? So the two men decided to share with me the details of our journey. They said, if you remember in the beginning, there was a man who had a hook and he was ripping out the jaw of a person. He says, that was a person that was a habitual liar. He would lie in his life. This was the punishment being carried out and this will continue until Yawm Al-Qiyamah. May Allah protect us all. Then he says, we saw the person whose head was being smashed. This is a person who memorized the Quran, who learned the Quran, who was affiliated with the Quran. However, this person became neglectful of the Quran, would not recite the Quran in the day, would not recite the Quran in the night. He abandoned the Quran, causing him to forget. We can sometimes naturally forget the Quran. Okay, the Quran, if we don't read it often, we will forget it. Okay, but this is intentionally when a person uh, doesn't read it at all, just abandons reading the Quran. Sometimes you're trying really, really hard and you just can't get it in your head. That's fine. Allah knows. Allah knows you better than Allah is the only being that you don't need to justify anything. To human beings, we have to justify everything. You don't need to justify anything to Allah knows what's going on inside you. So this is for a person that doesn't read at all. He just abandoned the Quran. So the, his head was being smashed for abandoning this great ni'mah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah protect us. Then he says, the people that were being burnt inside the tanur, the clay oven, these were people who were zunat, meaning the people that committed adultery, male, female, of my ummah. They are being burnt in the fire. May Allah protect us also from this evil. And then the person that you saw swimming in the river of blood, unable to come out, this is an individual who dealt with interest and usury. Then he says that the garden that you saw and the sheikh that you saw standing there, that was Prophet Ibrahim alayhi salam. The children you saw around him, they were the children of the, 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 the children that passed away before reaching the age of maturity passing away in infancy or they are passed away before they reach the age of maturity. Those are the children in the company of Prophet Ibrahim alayhi salam. The first beautiful house that you saw just now, that is the house of the general Muslims. Beautiful house the general Muslims will enter when they come into paradise. The house that we are in now, this is the house of the martyrs, the shuhada. This is where they will be, this is their abode in the hereafter. And then the two men said to me that I, he referred to himself, he says, I am Jibreel, and this is Mikail. I am Jibreel, this is Mikail. And he says, Ya Muhammad, irfa' ra'sak. O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, raise your head. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam says, I looked up. When I looked up, what did I see? He says, I, I saw something that looked like a cloud. And Jibreel said to me, O oh Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, that's your house up there. That's your house. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, let me go. The Ani, give me the opportunity, let me go and visit my house. And the angels told me, no, not now. You still have some time remaining on the earth. Hadith ends here. But what's interesting is, how did the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam plant the love of Masjid Al-Aqsa in the hearts of the Ummah, the Prophet ﷺ connected Masjid Al-Aqsa with himself in such a manner 
that he sallallahu alayhi wasallam informs us that he saw his house in Jannah whilst he was visiting Baytul Maqdis. And this is something great. This is a point that's missed out generally. People speak about the hadith in general. But this particular point that he was taken to Baytul Maqdis and it was there he was shown his abode in Jannah. This is something great and something huge. What's the lesson that we can take from here and what's this week's campaign? Very simple. This week's campaign is, we can see this was a dream. And even in his dream, the Prophet ﷺ is visualizing and seeing his abode in Masjid Al-Aqsa in Baytul Maqdis. How, for us as, as humans, how do we, what, you know, what kind of things or what makes us see something in a dream? When, what, what kind of things do we see in our dream? When, when we dream about something, something that occurs in our life, something that we're seeing, something that we're talking about, something that we're listening to. And what we need to do this week, inshallah, is talk about, think about, visualize Masjid Al-Aqsa so much that it's as if we start dreaming about it as well. So when we're awake, it's all about Masjid Al-Aqsa. But when we close our eyes, it's also about Masjid Al-Aqsa. And the way we're going to do this is, one of the ways we can do this is, alongside all of the other lessons that we've had throughout the past so many weeks, this week, inshallah, seeing that Fajr is now a little bit later as well, why don't we make a target that every day from today till next Sunday, uh, what we're going to do is at least three people each day, we're going to encourage them to attend this gathering, inshallah. By you speaking about it all throughout the week to whoever you see, have a target of at least on each day, you need to get three people ready. Either it could be in person, it could be from your family. Remember brothers, sisters are also invited, they're also present as well. You could bring your own children. People start with your own family, your neighbors, your friends, people in your community, people that you see in other salah. And by doing this, automatically you'll be talking about Al-Aqsa. You'll be inviting people to sit in the gathering in which we discuss Masjid Al-Aqsa. We have the Qunut Al-Nazila. And then we have the discussion, the lesson here. And then we have a weekly news update as well. And then we have Dua. So all of these things will play a part. Also, if you remember, one of the reasons why we started this off is, one of the ways in which we will see and witness the liberation of Baytul Maqdis, as also confessed by non-Muslims, is when the number of Muslims increase in the Masajid, and in Fajr, we start to see numbers like we see in Jumar. Okay, so the great Fajr campaign that we're running is not just so that we can have a lesson or so. It's to increase the number of Musallis and how we can have as many people coming to the Masjid like they do for other Salawat, okay, also for Fajr as well. And inshallah, you becoming a means for this, not only are you becoming a means for people coming to the Masjid, this will eventually become a means for the liberation of Baytul Maqdis and you'll be considered one of those, inshallah. Let us not look at the destination, okay? Because that's, that could be far away. And we're not responsible for that. We're not responsible for the, for the uh, outcome. We're responsible to do what's within our means. And this is within our means, inshallah. Everybody will do this. So, okay, let's fix a target each day, at least three people. And keeping in mind all of the other things that we've discussed as well. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us a tawfiq. Now, inshallah, we'll give a few moments for the recitation of the Qur'an. So, Qur'ans will be distributed. Please engage yourself in the recitation of the Qur'an. Jazakumullah khairan.
Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Okay, so for a quick update in terms of what's been going on in Palestine over the last week. Now, we keep saying this every week, but just because the media doesn't talk about it, that doesn't mean we shouldn't be concerned. And that also doesn't mean that nothing's happening. The media will talk. Generally, the world talks. The media goes silent. We go silent, unfortunately. Whereas every single day, uh, like I've been saying throughout the last so many months, that if we start talking about what's happening, okay, we'd be here all day. Every single day, there are so many events, so many incidents, so many assaults, so many arrests, so many attacks, so many incursions, so many house demolitions, so many evictions. If we start talking about it, you know, we would be here every single day, we'd be here all day. That's how much is going on all of the time. So I'm just going to share with you a little glimpse, inshallah, what's happened in this week alone between, I'd say, uh, Monday to Thursday, over four days. So over four days, there have been uh, 656 extremist settlers stormed into Masjid al-Aqsa this week. 656 over a period of only four days alone. So since the new government has come, we've seen an increase and an escalation in provocative measures that are being carried out inside Masjid al-Aqsa. Things that weren't being done last year, we're seeing a huge increase in numbers, first of all. So for those who don't know, from Sunday to Thursday, every single day, like at this time, as you can see, this is a time when masjids are empty. Okay, after Fajr, Ishraq, and then masjids are empty all the way till Dhuhr. Okay, so this is, they're taking advantage of this time. They want to split Masjid al-Aqsa in by time and by space. And by time they've achieved this every day from Sunday to Thursday, from half past seven till half past 11. This is a time when settlers enter into Masjid al-Aqsa and they invade Masjid al-Aqsa every single day between 7.30 a.m. till 11.30 a.m. and between half past one and three o'clock or half past two in the afternoon. Two sessions every single day. Before they would just go in and come out. Okay, according to international law, they are not allowed to pray. However, things are changing now. So this week alone, there were 656 settlers that invaded Masjid al Now, you might think, well, what's, what's so bad about that? Well, this is being done at the same time. On the other hand, your Palestinian brother and your Palestinian sister is being barred from entering Masjid al-Aqsa. They are being banished from Masjid al-Aqsa. Women are being arrested just for reciting Quran inside Masjid al-Aqsa. Or when they want to enter Masjid al-Aqsa, they have to hand over their ID card and they submitted a piece of paper, a permit to enter the third most holiest site in Islam. This is what's being done at the same time. So 656 entered this week and during those visits, I'm just going to share with you some of the things that happened. So in these four days, six Zionist weddings took place inside Masjid al-Aqsa. Six weddings were solemnized inside Masjid al-Aqsa during these hours, just this week alone. And these are six reputable people. So they're trying to set a, a precedent that this is what, you know, this is the next step. This is what we want to see happening. 
Similarly, we find one of the uh, famous rabbis, he carried out Talmudic rituals and gave out lessons of the Torah inside Masjid Al-Aqsa. When our brothers and sisters are being persecuted for giving Quran lessons inside Masjid Al-Aqsa, lessons on the Torah are being delivered inside Masjid Al-Aqsa. Whilst you and I are sitting here now, okay, this is what's happening over there. Uh, we have also uh, a member of the Knesset or previously member of the Knesset. He went inside and he conducted a whole live broadcast of again a Talmudic lesson which was delivered and he broadcast it live. He's saying, look, I'm here in the Temple Mount. I'm freely walking. There's nobody to stop me. Uh, this month also, there's a famous uh, Israeli singer who went inside Masjid Al-Aqsa and he sang one of the Hebrew songs which coincide with the new month of the Hebrew calendar, the Hebrew year starting. And he says, I feel privileged to be the first person allegedly in 2000 years to be able to come and sing this, just like our forefathers. Again, allegedly he claims that our forefathers did it 2000 years ago and I'm the first one now to sing this anthem and this song. Uh, being a famous singer, it's all over YouTube and he says, I'm doing it today. There were Jewish rabbis that went inside and they conducted the ceremonies of their children becoming Balig and Machuan, they have different ceremonies. You can see that there's a rabbi and he's giving blessings to his son. He's got his hand on his head and he's giving him the, the, the Talmudic blessings inside Masjid Al-Aqsa. We see a lady sitting down with a, with a copy of one of their scriptures and reciting passages, all of which is supposed to be forbidden. So what Muslim worship which is allowed is being restricted. And on the other side, we're seeing an increase. This is just this week over four days. And I've only told you some of the incidents. And whilst all this is going on, okay, in Silwan, which is just meters away, houses are being demolished. In Sheikh Jarrah, people are losing their houses. In Beit Hanina, okay, which is generally a much better area, uh, an outer part of Jerusalem, we saw the devastating images of the elderly man who's built his whole life within a home. So many memories, his grandparents, his parents, then him, his children, his grandchildren. However, what he's witnessing, he's devastated. If you look at his face, you can see the level of devastation. They received a court order that their house is going to be demolished by the Israeli occupation. The two sons decided uh, that rather than it being demolished by them, or they might say this now, but what normally happens, they threaten them with this. Once they've been evicted, they hand it over to settlers. So they said, we can't bear settlers living in our houses where we've built our memories. They had to demolish their own home with their own hands. You might think, why would somebody demolish their own home with their own hands? If they didn't demolish their own home with their own hands, then the Israeli bulldozers would have come demolish the house and then invoice them maybe up to 90,000 pound for their house to be demolished. This is what's happening on the land every single day. Just because the BBC isn't talking about it, that doesn't mean it's over. 
And there's more. This is just the tip of the iceberg. I've shared with you a few uh, incidents. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bring better days, inshallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alleviate the suffering from the ummah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant liberation to Baytul Maqdis and end the illegal occupation. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala utilize us and not replace us for this cause. Jazakumullah khaira. Now we'll make some dhikr and then dua. After that, it'll be time for Ishraq and then breakfast will be served. I request everybody to please do partake of the breakfast before you leave. Jazakumullah khairan. Close your eyes, focus towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We disconnect from everything so we can connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Recite the Rashrif Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala ala La ilaha illallah, 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 la ilaha illallah. Subhanallah, walhamdulillah, wala ilaha illallah, wallahu akbar, wala hawla wala quwwata illa billahil aliyyil azim. Subhanallah, walhamdulillah, wala ilaha illallah, wallahu akbar, wala hawla wala quwwata illa billahil aliyyil azim. Subhanallah, walhamdulillah, wala ilaha illallah, wallahu 
أكبر ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم سبحان الله والحمد لله ولا إله إلا الله والله أكبر ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم سبحان الله والحمد لله ولا إله إلا الله والله أكبر ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم سبحان الله والحمد لله ولا إله إلا الله والله أكبر ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم سبحان الله وبحمده سبحان الله 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 العظيم استغفر الله 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 لا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم
بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد يا ذا الجلال والإكرام يا ذا الجلال والإكرام يا ذا الجلال والإكرام لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إني كنت من الظالمين وإلهكم إله واحد لا إله إلا هو الرحمن الرحيم اللهم لا أحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جزا الله عنا سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ما هو أهله رضينا بالله ربا وبالإسلام دينا وبمحمد صلى الله عليه عليه وسلم رسولا ونبيا الحمد لله الذي هدانا لهذا وما كنا لنهتدي لولا أن هدانا الله اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لك الحمد ولا نعمة الإيمان ولك الحمد ولا نعمة الإسلام ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين رب اغفر وارحم تجاوز عما تعلم إنك أنت الأعز الأكرم رب رب اغفر وارحم انت خير الراحمين اللهم انك عفو تحب العفو فاعف عنا اللهم انك عفو تحب العفو فاعف عنا اللهم انك عفو تحب العفو فاعف عنا او كايند الله او لافينج الله او مرسفل الله او موست كومباشنت الله او ذا موست فورغيفينج الله او الله يو لاف تو فورغيف سينز او الله يو ار ذا جريتست فورغيفر او الله اند وي ار ذا جريتست سينز او الله وي بيغ يو فور يور فورغيفنس O Allah, grant us your forgiveness, O Allah. You know our sins better than we do, O Allah. From head to toe, we are drowning in your disobedience, O Allah. We are desperately in need of your maghfirah, O Allah. Forgive us, O Allah. Forgive us, O Allah. Forgive us, O Allah. Create the hatred of sins in our hearts, O Allah. Help us to stay away from your disobedience, O Allah. Give us the ability to obey you, O Allah. Make your obedience easy for us, O Allah. Take us towards your obedience, O Allah. Take us towards your obedience O Allah make your obedience easy for us O Allah grant us the ability to perform five times Salah O Allah help us to recite the Quran on a daily basis O Allah illuminate our hearts and our lives with your remembrance O Allah O Allah help us to revive the Sunnah within our lives O Allah grant us your love O Allah grant us the love of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam O Allah make his day our day O Allah make his night our night O Allah help us to revive the Sunnah within our homes, O oh Allah. O oh Allah, look after our parents, O oh Allah. Have mercy on our parents, O oh Allah. Forgive the sins of our parents, O oh Allah. Elevate the status of our parents, O oh Allah. O oh Allah, those of our parents who have left the world, fill their graves with noor, O oh Allah. Grant them Jannatul Firdaus, O oh Allah. Safeguard them from the hellfire, O oh Allah. O oh Allah, time is going to come when we don't know where we will be, O oh Allah. O oh Allah, it will be our last day, O oh Allah. Death will overtake us, O oh Allah. We don't know where we will be, in what condition we will be, O oh Allah. We beg you, O oh Allah, make our last day our best day, O oh Allah. Make our last action our best action, O oh Allah. And grant us the kalima, La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah, when we are leaving the world, O oh Allah. O oh Allah, 
alleviate the sufferings of the Ummah, O oh Allah. You rescue the Ummah, O oh Allah. Help the Ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah sustain and protect the Ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah help the Ummah, O oh Allah. Protect the Ummah, O oh Allah. Rescue the Ummah, O oh Allah. Have mercy on the Ummah, O oh Allah. Have mercy on the Ummah, O oh Allah. Have mercy on the Ummah, O oh Allah. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam asked of you many good things. We ask of you the same. He sought your protection from many evils. We seek your protection from the same. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon. Wa salamun ala al-mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.